Greetings and salutations, and welcome to This Ends at Prom. A coming-of-age podcast highlighting cinema about or marketed towards teen girls. I'm one of your hosts, BJ Colangelo, and I'm joined by my wife. Harmony Colangelo, a trans woman who grew up watching none of these movies. Is today's movie a queen bee? Or are we killing the teen dream? Get in, loser. We're analyzing the movies people make fun of us for loving. Welcome back, Prom Party. Hello. I am so excited for today's episode. I can hardly contain myself. Yes. So if anybody is ever curious what BJ's like all-time favorite comfort movies are, this is like top five easy. Absolutely. We've done a lot of my comfort movies. Like we did Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. We did Draft a Gorgeous. Like things that are very, very important to me. This is another one. Mm -hmm. And this is one that I don't get to talk about very often and just... I guess, general film circles, because this one is such a specific niche of a viewer. It's a made-for-TV movie, which automatically means that it is sequestered off from normal films. Exactly. Uh, But oh my goodness, I love all things Wish Upon a Star. And I love how much you love this movie. (laughs) (laughs) So my introduction's pretty easy. I watched this on the Disney Channel. Um, this is a, this is technically a Disney Channel original movie, but it doesn't get the, like... It is, but it isn't? Yes, it is, but it isn't. It doesn't get the DCOM sort of label, because this is just a movie that would air on the Disney Channel, um, and ironically, it does not air on Disney+, Plus because Disney was not, like, the main... They distributed this movie, they did not produce this movie, so they don't own the rights to it. So that's why it's not on Disney+. Plus. Which is really weird, but there's probably a lot of other reasons it's not on Disney Plus. So <laughs> absolutely, because there's there's some stuff in this that it's there's some stuff you can't really <laughs> cut out for like a essentially a G-rated Disney movie, right? They, they push they push some lines in, uh-huh. in here, which is also part of this movie's appeal to me. Um, so yeah, I've been watching this movie since I was a kid. I this is a movie that lives in my bones, mm-hmm. um, where I know the inflection of how things are said. I know I the know. music cues. I know. I did it the whole time I watched the movie, much to your chagrin. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't. It was just more so. I some there are some movies uh, that my favorite part of watching the movie is watching you watch the movie, and that's there's two movies that do that. One. Horror movies where you just like want to have like melt into the couch because you're so scared. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Like Deadstream, I had a great time watching that movie, <laughs> and I had a great time watching you watch that movie. My favorite horror movie of last year, just not, and it's not even close. <laughs> the other ones are very specific, like made for TV movie or like adolescent preteen movies mm-hmm. that you watched nonstop as a child and could do like a one man show of. Yep. Those are my favorite movies to watch <laughs> you watch. And this this is this is definitely one of them. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say the first time you saw Wish Upon a Star, it was because I made you watch it when I was not feeling well. Uh, no, I can tell you exactly what the first time was, which was I was working the bar at the side quest back in Cleveland. Uh, you know, God rest its soul. And 
I was looking for just something to something to put on just randomly. Like it was like, I don't know, a Tuesday at maybe like four in the afternoon. We had just opened and you were there and you're like, oh, my God, uh, Wish Upon a Star is on Amazon Prime. Can you put that on? And I'm like, what is Wish Upon a Star? And you're like, well, it's just it's kind of like Freaky Friday, but like I, it means a lot to me. And we were early on in us dating. So like mm-hmm. you weren't so cocksure to just be like, it's awesome. <laughs> you were just trying to be like kind of cool about it. And uh, <laughs> so I put it on and like you, I think you like tweeted about it or Facebooked and was like, oh, my God, she really does love me. <laughs> That tracks. All of this makes sense to me. And this is starting to come back to me because I think I remember this was happening and like two separate things came from the people who would come into the bar is that one, there was a couple people who were like big horror people that were like, is that Daniel Harris? I'm Mm -hmm. like, yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. And then there was a bunch of uh, like youngish or like our age women who came in and they're like, I fucking love this movie. And they were Mm -hmm. so hype. And I was like, see, I told you, I told you this was a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I I love this movie. Um, if somehow you haven't seen this, like, please, please do. But here is our synopsis. Nice and easy. A younger sister wishes to switch places with her popular older sister, and the two bickering siblings awaken to find the wish has come true. It is a body swap Freaky Friday movie, but they're sisters. This is, I think, our fourth Freaky Friday type movie. I think so. We did we so we so we did Freaky Friday two thousand and two or two thousand three. Yeah. yeah, I was close. Uh, we did Freaky, and we did the worst movie we've ever covered on the podcast, Sans Black Xmas, It's a Boy Girl Thing. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's more Freaky Fridays. We just haven't even gotten to them yet. But the the very specific body swap Freaky Friday formula, Disney loves it. They love Disney it so loves much. it so much. They've done so many Freaky Fridays. We'll get to all of them eventually. Uh, but, yeah, there's just, God, so many of them. Um, but this one I've always really loved because... I love the idea of it being sisters. I love movies about sisters, especially because I have a little sister. Mm-hmm. Um, we used to watch this movie constantly, and we would talk about like what it would be like if we switched places. Like That was definitely a thing that happened. Um, but what I like the most about Wish Upon a Star as a body swap movie is the reveal that they both wanted this. Because in a lot of the body swap movies, it's either they're switching places because they have to be taught a lesson, or they're switching places because they're both just at each other's throat, or one person really wants to know what it's like on, you know, to live another life, and the other person is just sort of this like random, oh no, occurrence. This is very much like we both wanted this, but you don't find that out till later. And that's really interesting to me. And I think makes this a, a more fulfilling story because it's not one-sided, nor was it done with other consent. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even think about that, but that's very true. Because, like, even if you want to think about, like, let's step outside just the Disney version of Freaky Friday. Like, Freaky itself, that's not voluntary. Mm-hmm. The hot chick isn't voluntary. Like, it's rarely a thing that someone chooses, mm-hmm. much less they both want. Right. And I think that that is an interesting element Absolutely. And like because of that element, we also then have one of the sisters spends the entire movie holding that secret of like not letting her know mm-hmm. like this isn't all on you. I was also in this. And it's I think it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Um, so this movie came out in 1996. So that's early before the teen boom of 1999. This is where the wave starts before it hits the shore mm-hmm. because Clueless had came out the year before. Mm-hmm. And to, 
it's not fair to really go ahead and talk about like the context of this movie in necessarily like the teen sphere because this is like it's a, a made for TV it's, movie. It's a preteen film at most, probably. But like the, we've only ever done two movies from this year on the podcast so far. They're both horror. <laughs> so one of them would be Scream. The other is The Craft. Okay. Yep. <laughs> and I mean, you're gonna have a lot of horror movies this year that do pretty well for themselves. This is also the same time where we see like. Romeo plus Juliet or mm-hmm. Matilda, I guess, mm-hmm. which maybe is a little more comparable to this, but it's outside the Disney machine. I mean, yeah, Matilda's probably the closest in terms of scope of who this movie was trying to chase mm-hmm. because this is another one of those movies that while it is about high schoolers, it is definitely presented through the lens of like what a preteen's idea of high school is. I mean, that's what the Disney machine is always about. Like they do the stories routinely about high schoolers, but it's more of like, to kind of get like a 10-year-old amped for high school and be like, wow, I can't wait to get to high school and everyone is singing. Yeah, it's very much got that. And I'm going to say a thing, and this is no shade to any of our listeners who might be Mormon, but this is a movie directed by a Mormon, somebody who was like big in BYU. They shot this in Utah. So a lot of the extras and like people that are in this movie are Mormons. And so... I don't know, like a Mormon teen's idea of high school very much feels like it's appropriate for the Disney channel. It's it's very, um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's not too provocative. It's not too dangerous. Um, what's really funny is like when you told me like there's a big Mormon link to this movie, I just assumed that this movie was Canadian because Mm -hmm. we made so much like children's and like young adolescent TV in Canada in the nineties. So it's weird that Canada and, and Utah are very similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think that that's just something that's really interesting to keep in your back pocket. And I also think very much influences the type of rebellion that we see in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we dive in any deeper, it is time for everyone's favorite part of the show. Hey there, prom party. We're trying something a little bit different with the morning announcements this month, and if this works out for you, then we'll probably just run it like this from here on out. It seems like a really good way of, like, conveying updates and what we've got going on to all of you, so I don't know why we didn't think of this sooner. (laughs) We have some fun things planned for this month outside of just the main show. Over on the Patreon, we have some episodes coming up for Harold and Maude for Valentine's Day. 40 Days and 40 Nights for a little bit of romance and because it's Lent and that seems appropriate. But more importantly, Shannon Sossaman's there and we could all use more of her in our lives. We're going to be doing a musical milestones episode on Evanescence, which BJ has been dying to talk about for pretty much for the entirety we've been doing that segment. Because in case you didn't know, BJ had three separate Amy Lee posters hanging in her childhood bedroom. Uh, We're continuing to work our way through Freaks and Geeks. We're doing episodes four, five, and six this month, as well as something new we have planned for coming to the Patreon this month. So many people send us requests every single week. So we're launching a suggestion box. So if you want to join the Patreon at even the lowest tier of $1, you'll get access to that. And you can just sort of anonymously say like, hey, here's some stuff that I would really like it if you covered. In addition to all of that, We've also got the playlist, we have our monthly newsletter, and access to all of the awesome stuff we have in the back catalog. And as always, we totally understand if you're not able to support the Patreon, 
just go ahead and give us a rating if you can and shout us out to any of your friends who you think might might like like what we offer. Thank you so much. And now back to the movie. Alrighty, so as is the case with all body swap movies, it's really difficult to keep track of who we're talking about um, in terms of characters because it's a character inside the body of a character. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to do our best. If we mess up, just go with it. <laughs> <laughs> so the first character that I want to talk about is Alexia Wheaton. So this is baby Catherine Heigl. Mm-hmm. She is our popular big sister. She's very fashionable. What do you think of Alexia Wheaton? Everything about her feels like the prototypical Britney Spears. Mm-hmm. Like even in like how Catherine Heigl kind of looks and presents herself, it's it's dis- it's it's Britney Spears by way of like still a little bit of like Mickey Mouse Club. Mm-hmm. And I think she's just. First of all, I love her fashion sense. Let's just get oh that my out God. of the way. Every, Every single outfit. outfit that she wears is incredible and so fucking 90s. Uh-huh. I had to ask you, um, were knee socks this popular? Yes. And, I, and you just go, <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm like, I I don't think my like I had realized consciousness yet until like that was already out. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I still, don't remember it. I was still wearing knee socks into the 2000s to the point where like my teachers knew that about me. And so I would like constantly get gifted like novelty knee socks for like that's also the emo boom where everyone was wearing striped socks with like finger holes cut out of it on their arms oh yeah mine were like white knee socks and they would have like a bunch of frogs or something on them like i wore them constantly i loved them so much see i wear knee socks up until now uh, well, for two reasons. One, it's usually to cover the fact that I didn't shave my legs that day because I'm lazy. But it's because I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, and that means eight months out of the year, it's too cold to be wearing shorts or skirts. So it's like, oh, socks. Mm-hmm. So being the human minivan that I am, I'm all about practicality more than fashion. <laughs> Though my favorite outfit she has in this is absolutely like the white knee socks with like the blue vinyl, almost denim looking vest. Vest and, and the, the polka dotted skirt. Oh my God, that's it's, the best look. Yeah, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of her outfits feel like the ones that share in Clueless when she has her like little digital outfit maker like that's the outfit she would have worn like four days from now <laughs> yes so like unlike Cher who has a ton of money this is like what if I want to dress like Cher but I shop at the mall mm-hmm. like a midwestern mall or like a southwestern mall <laughs> yeah and because of the license plate this is supposed to be taking place in Colorado but it was definitely shot in Utah mm-hmm. um and you know both of the parents are psychiatrists so they definitely do have some money which is why her bedroom is so fantastic too mm-hmm. um because she's got that like four post bed uh you know she's got a Liechtenstein painting above her bed like classy. <laughs> real classy she's got that beautiful like mirror mirror on the wall in her closet um you know really really nice stuff she's got a cool jeep mm-hmm. um so alexia's Girl, girls in the 90s loved jeeps i don't and i don't know why i think it's because like it's just cool to have the top down like it makes it nice and easy for shooting probably i mean there's also probably this idea of like i don't know it's 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 a convertible but it doesn't cost as much of a convertible it's it's a, it's a better car than a convertible so mm-hmm. maybe it's something that a dad would sign off on being like well i want to make sure there's there's something that'll get you there safe uh-huh <laughs> i think you're totally right and uh, I love that she is constantly wearing like metallic frosted lip gloss. That mm-hmm. was such a, a look at the time. And not a lot of people can pull it off. And I think she 
pulls it off effortlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, what I also find fascinating is I, I try to do some research for this. There's not a whole lot of information. Again, it's a made-for-TV movie. There's also... You've probably written about this movie more than anybody it, else. Probably. <laughs> like, I talk about it in passing a lot. So, there, like, I did find my own work when I was researching. Oh, and I was like, oh, there I am. Uh, but I did find a bunch of interviews where she would talk about this movie uh, because people ask her about it because they grew up loving it. Yeah. And Catherine Heigl was saying that she had a really tough time in production for this movie because obviously she's supposed to be like a knockout and she's supposed to have this really great body and she's the most popular girl in school and she's really beautiful. And she made this movie when she was 17. So the thing some people don't know is that Catherine Heigl is younger than Danielle Harris. Yeah. Um, Danielle Harris is just very small. She's just small. (laughs) So she plays the little sister. Um, But Catherine Heigl is 17. Her body is starting to do some kind of changes as she's getting closer to being an adult. And so her weight was fluctuating and she was trying to keep her weight down and was struggling to do that. And somebody during that production told her she had thunder thighs, which... If that is not a testament to how fucking toxic the 90s and the 2000s were in terms of like how we treated women and their size Mm -hmm. and what was considered fat and what was not, I don't know what else is because she is the furthest thing from being fat in this movie. So for someone to tell her she has thunder thighs is bullshit. Like, I, I don't even know what our metric on thunder thighs would be. Like, Especially because we're in, like, BBL culture right now, so who fucking knows anymore? Again, it's a thing where it's like, I don't remember, I don't think I had consciousness in 1996 to really recognize other people or fashion trends or much less, like, people and their bodies and stuff like that. But, God, it's just so fucking weird to think about that, like, she's seen as large, Dumb. Like, and it's absolutely and, ridiculous. And granted, she's that, that, not. <laughs> that's also, like, part of the the writing where her, well like once they switch bodies it's like well you need to have a like an all fruit diet or whatever right you need to fit into your winter formal dress so like you better eat this sole apple for breakfast that's all yes. you get the dress costs three hundred dollars so help me god if <laughs> if you make it so we don't fit <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely ridiculous but you know a nice little time capsule of what it was like to come of age during that time period obscene ridiculous Mm, yeah um in terms of her personality wise oh she's dreadful she's dreadful but at the same time the more we learn about her the more it's like oh this is an act like this is not who you are as a person this is who you believe you have to be in Mm -hmm. order to maintain this like power you have acquired as the popular mean girl of like you have this elite little group of friends. You follow these arbitrary rules. That you set for yourselves for in yourselves. order to maintain your own status. Yeah, you're you shitty to, to everybody else so that way they can't boyfriend. reach you. Yeah, you have to dump your boyfriend. The three-month max. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to treat other people kind of shittily and judge them harshly because then that way it keeps them away from you and keeps you further up on, the you know, the, the social hierarchy pyramid. Um, and, you know, then you learn that she's actually deeply vulnerable and really insecure and realizing in her senior year, I fucked up mm-hmm. by prioritizing popularity and not actually paying attention to my grades. And now I might not get to go to college because I fucked up. God damn it. Tale is time. <laughs> and so I like that because I think when you deal with a lot of the body swap movies, a lot of times the characters do feel a little bit 
archetypal. They do feel. I, I think it e- it's, does narrative shorthand. It makes yeah. it makes it makes them easier to understand. So then you can see kind of where they end up once they swap. You yes, need, you need to have big, easily readable part personalities that are almost caricature-y. Yes, you you need that so that the so that the swap is easily identifiable. Yeah, because the swap's going to happen in like the first twenty minutes of the movie. Right. Um. So I think that that's really smart. I think it's really good in how they do that. But it's also really fascinating because again, like this is more complex. She also wanted the swap. She mm-hmm. wanted to be her nerdy little sister. Because it's and easy. Because, you know, there's there's something complicated and about she that en- that I love. She enjoys that. Like, mm-hmm. once she doesn't have to be the popular girl, she's like, she sits at home in PJs and just, like, frumps around and watches cartoons eats and eats cream. garbage. Yeah. And she's just having the time of her life. Mm-hmm. I think it's lovely. So that's, you know, Alexia as, you know, the character. How about Haley? How do you feel about Haley Wheaton? She's the uh, she she she's the girl who can hang in a '90s movie. Mm-hmm. She's she's very got she's got backwards cap energy. Mm-hmm. She she's almost like the girl on the sports team or the girl who could skateboard, but she's neither of those. She's a dork. Right. So okay, that's the thing that I love the most is that a lot of times these like kind of tomboyish characters that we have in these movies are also like super mouthy and they're definitely given like masculine energy where it's like. They're tough. You don't fuck with them. And like, that's how they can hold their own with the boys is because they are just as tough, if not tougher than a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Haley's not that character. Like she wears baggy pants and baggy shirts and she's got the same middle part that every boy in school has. Mm-hmm. And she listens to classical music and she doesn't really think about like high femme sort of energy. That's not who she is. But at the same time, she is painfully insecure. She's a bookworm. All she focuses about is science, but she doesn't come across as like a science geek, which that is its own sort of like stereotypical trope. It's, so usually it's it's a mathlete mm-hmm. or something, something. But like, no, she's a science fair geek. She's a science fair geek who wears boy clothes, but, you know, like fantasizes about being her big sister and having a boyfriend and being popular and being well-liked. She's just not confident at all because she has grown up in the shadow of the queen bee and mm-hmm. that's really intimidating for her. Well, yeah, because the, the comparisons are automatically going to be drawn, especially because they're going to high school at the same time. And they're in some similar classes because Haley is so advanced. Like she's in the same math class as her sister who was a senior. Yeah, so I don't know where this lied for you and your sister, but I distinctly remember being a freshman the year that my brother was a senior. My sister was a freshman when I was a senior. Yeah. Oh, my God. My brother hated it. Because, one, he thought I was embarrassing because I was a dorky little weirdo. But I think he hated it a lot more because everyone hated him so much because he was a dick. Uh-huh. And then when I came along, they're like, oh, you're 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 a laughable fool, but, like, in a cool way. You're not <laughs> an asshole. We love you. And I think that made him more mad because, like, when you go to school at the same time, you're already, I mean, you're already going to get those comparisons, especially if you're in a small town, because that's what it sort of seems like. They seem mm-hmm. like they're in a fairly small suburb. Mm-hmm. But like when they're just making it easier by being in the same school and the same classes. So how could Haley ever hope to compete with her sister? Right.
And what's interesting is that statistically speaking, most siblings tend to be within like a like a three year age gap. Like a sure. lot of parents have their kids one right after another. Um, obviously, there's plenty of massive gaps, but by and large, a lot of siblings are two to three years apart. Sure. So it's pretty common to be at school at the same time as your siblings. But what's really interesting to me is that a lot of times in teen movies, like they'll be together at the school, but it will be a situation where like you only ever see the big sister or the little sister in passing. You don't see them interact very often, Mm -hmm. whereas they are very much like in each other's shit the entire movie. Yeah. More in more ways than one. Something else that I find really interesting about Haley as well is that it's implied that she's really into classical music. Yeah, like they both have very perplexing tastes in music. So I'm pretty sure Haley likes classical because once they swap bodies, that's the only thing she plays in the Jeep. Mm -hmm. But also that means that Alexia is into like Divinals style, like alternative slutty blues. Mm hmm shredding guitar and like niche 90s alternative and for whatever reason really into like female fronted alt rock bands yes 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 which i think is really fun and interesting to have the quote-unquote popular girl be the one that's into that music i mean all of those musical choices are not popular girl choices right like you would expect her to be like listening to i don't know like bubblegum pop or something like that makes total sense to me so the fact that she's listening to moon pools and caterpillars which is like a filipino rock band uh Weird. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also, just to think about this, like, this is pre-Spice Girls, so, like, I don't know what popular girls would have been listening to at the time. Actually, that's a really good point. So, I get, I guess this works. Yeah. She's yeah, listening right. to shredding, like, very, like, early 90s guitar stuff. Mm-hmm. That's maybe not cool, so maybe that means that cool people like it. I don't know. (laughs) It's probably just the music that they could get the rights to. I think you're right. Um, So something else that is important to note when talking about this movie that I think is really clever in this movie's script is that in a lot of body swap movies, uh, especially Freaky Friday for one, the people that are swapping is the parent and the child. So the parent Mm -hmm. is in on it with the kid and it's like, we have to keep this from dad or we have to keep whatever. But they have somebody in their corner to kind of help them through this Mm -hmm. because they are body swapping sisters. How do you get the parents out of the way or how do you make it so the parents aren't like suspicious or doing anything weird? Hands off parenting, hands off parenting. They are psychiatrists. They have decided to try a new method where they're just going to let them do whatever they want and not actually (laughs) enforce their, their rules, which is a (laughs) bad way to parent. Yeah. It's an, it's, it's an extreme. Don't do that. Yeah. (laughs) Like don't do that. This is how you get kids who end up on like Morty going like, fuck you, mom. I'm nine years old and I'll beat your ass. Like it it ends up becoming like that. Yes. And What's also, like, kind of weird is that later on, they have a meeting with the principal who you are, like, I think it's implied that she's a lesbian. She is so coded as, like, a mean, scary dyke, and I love that, but she also I is like about it. Yeah, like, she, she kind of is, like, got a thing for Alexia, mm-hmm. which is gross. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just, there's a lot of weird stuff going on in this in yeah, hindsight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's very adult things just littered throughout this whole movie which is so strange is one of the many reasons i don't think disney will ever have i don't think they're ever going to pursue it for these reasons yes so the parents end up divulging to the apparently lesbian principal that 
he, they're acting like this and we're getting results because we're doing hands-off parenting and we hope to write a book about it, which means that they are not being good parents. There is maybe a fluke example of something else happening outside of their field of vision that is actually fixing their kids in relation to each other. And they're going to write a book about how successful they are and ruin so many people's <laughs> lives. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, and uh, Ms. Mittermiller does have a great line where after they leave, because, you know, the girls have gotten in trouble, and she goes, those poor girls, no wonder. <laughs> and it's very much like, these parents have fucked these kids up, uh-huh. which I think is very, very funny. So, you know, those are those are who our characters are, and then obviously we have the body swap, and what is so interesting is that Haley is on fucking cloud nine Mm -hmm. she is tall she's beautiful she's popular she's gonna have a great day and alexia is fucking pissed she is so furious and you know we know that she also wanted this we you know we get that reveal towards the end but she has to act too cool so once you get that reveal a lot of kind of the absurdity of her actions makes so much more sense at the beginning because she's not playing it cool at all. Like she's mm-hmm. having a real bad time and it's because she do- she cannot let Haley know that like she also wanted this. Mm-hmm. And I find that very, very interesting. I think that Daniel Harris is like in her element in this movie. This is one of her best performances in her entire filmography. I, she's a delight. I think they're both really, really good at capturing the other Mm-hmm. in their roles but like daniel harris is so next level and the fact that she's been acting so long and is the older like actor of the two mm-hmm. i think it's really apparent in like how next level she is in this i think so too like even little lines of like thanks so much for ruining the most relaxing day of my life mm-hmm. there is so much just venom and power in her delivery it's great mm-hmm. um so because this is a, a body swap movie it's gonna follow the very typical like hijinks of you know you have your first day where it's kind of fumbly and weird and they're trying to like make sure that nobody knows what's going on mm-hmm. um you know we have uh, we have alexia faking sick to but get out of having to do haley's you know astronomy paper or she, whatever she dramatically faints in class mm-hmm. and then we have haley uh you know not realizing that alexia doesn't do gym class so then she breaks all of her nails mm-hmm. or alexia doesn't shower after gym because she didn't do gym class so her makeup comes off and that's, mm-hmm. you know, not a thing that should happen. She invites, uh, ha- you know, Haley invites her best friend, Caitlin, to sit with Alexia's popular friend group who are super fucking mean, but really cool and hot. <laughs> okay, let, let's talk about Caitlin for a sec, because you brought up something really interesting about her as a character, mm-hmm. which is that everything she wears is like a knockoff version of what Alexia wore the day yes. before. Yes, So Caitlin is my favorite like, quote-unquote, wannabe friend in a teen movie for two reasons. One, I think she's adorable, and I love that she is really close with Haley. I like their friendship. Uh But wannabes in movies, they tend to be presented in a way where it's like like they're trying too hard or they're doing, like, an exact copy of what the cool kids are doing. Uh Like, think about, like, in Mean Girls where, you know, Regina George wore army pants and flip-flops, so I bought army pants and flip-flops, like where they do an exact sort of thing. Caitlyn isn't doing exact, but she's real close to it. So you can see that she is actively trying 
to be popular. She is wearing the right clothing. She's listening to the right music. She's styling herself the way that she's supposed to. And she's still not popular. And I think that that's fascinating because so often in teen movies especially, it's like, oh, all we got to do is get you out of those paint-covered overalls and you'll be the homecoming queen, where it's not that simple. Like, you can't just make these aesthetic changes. You can't just suddenly have money. Like, those things, it doesn't matter. Like, no. <laughs> popularity is so much more than the, the surface-level stuff. And I think we get afraid to admit that because it's a lot easier to be like, oh, yeah, I wasn't popular in high school because, you know, oh, I didn't have money. Or, oh, I wasn't popular in high school because I couldn't afford name-brand shoes or I didn't, what I didn't want to sell out and not the reality of like, hey, you will die in the class you were born. Yeah, like it's a lot more complicated and shitty and like terrible because by visual, Caitlin's doing everything she should be and she's still not popular. Well, she's an underclassman, so that well, doesn't help. I mean, there's that too. But, you know, she hangs out with Haley and uh, yeah, I just, I love Caitlin's character. I think she's fascinating. Yeah. Um, she's, you know, because she's also the one that's way more eager then Haley, like, oh my god, I gotta try on that killer top she wore the other day. Mm-hmm. Oh, I gotta read her diary. I want to know what happened between her and Kyle. Like, she is so desperate to vicariously live through Alexia mm-hmm. in a way that, like, Haley is also into, but is not as open about it because you can tell she's uncomfortable by it. Well, she's. I think she's just a little too close. So it's. it's mm-hmm. it, she has to walk. She has to be like even more distant. Yeah. Otherwise, she will be like. Or she will be misconceived or something. Yes. Um, but it, once they swap bodies, she also makes the mistake of not realizing that uh, Alexi had broken up with her boyfriend the night before. Mm-hmm. 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 So, yeah, the way that they switched, you know, because they wished upon a star. Mm-hmm. Um, Alexia broke up with her boyfriend because of an arbitrary rule. And Haley didn't know that. So she gets them back together and then is making out with him. <laughs> Yep, and that actually leads to a really interesting, well, like two interesting discussions. One, that, uh, what's his name, Kyle? Yeah, Donnie Jeffcoat from Wild and Crazy Kids on Nickelodeon, yes. Sure, anyway, (laughs) Kyle is like one of those boyfriends that's like, oh wow, I just, you're not wearing makeup, but I just really like this natural look on you. It's so like the 96 version of like, guys prefer a natural look. But it's never a natural look. Like, I was looking, I was like, okay, she doesn't have mascara on, and if she does, it's light. She doesn't have any eyeshadow or eyeliner on. She's absolutely wearing foundation. (laughs) Well, that's just for the camera, probably. It's for the camera, but, like, that's the thing is whenever, you know, men say, like, oh, I like a more natural look. No, you don't. You absolutely do not. You like a put-together look mm -hmm. that looks natural because men don't realize what makeup looks like? Correct. (laughs) So I think this is a little bit more fair for him having an understanding of what natural is because canonically, I don't think she's supposed to be wearing makeup. Right. So like we get a weird perception on what like natural beauty is, Mm -hmm. but like in the the, the canon of this, she just happens to have flawless skin. Mm -hmm. Anyway... This also leads to a later interaction once they, once the two sisters sort of reconcile, where it's like, you got back together with my boyfriend and you were making out with my boyfriend. What, were you going to lose my virginity for me too? Mm-hmm. And it gets into this thing that we don't see very often. And again, like this movie pushes some boundaries for what it is about like kind of forcing someone to lose their virginity whilst in their body. Mm-hmm. Like the matter of like, consent that you don't have amongst somebody who's not in control of their own body. Like, that is an interesting concept. It's fascinating. I mean, because the way that it's also presented is, you know, Haley gets a hickey on Alexia's body. So Mm -hmm. she's the one who's walking around with that. Her reputation is the one that's going to be impacted by having a visible 
hickey. And then at the same time, it's like you are making out with your sister's boyfriend. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't know any better. Of course not. But you do. And that's not cool. Mm -hmm. And so like, I think that's a really interesting place to navigate. And I obviously, my sister and I like don't have the same taste taste or interest. Like, so that was never an issue, but I had friends where that was a thing where like their little sister had a big crush on their boyfriend. It was always like hanging around them mm-hmm. and, you know, being flirtatious. And it was always like, what the hell are you doing? That's so weird. Back off. But like, I don't know. It's, I, I, I can't, I can't get into the psychology of that because it's not my experience. Well, it's also not, it's not like feasible in reality. No. So you can't really break it down in like a real sense, more like it, it's conceptual. Mm-hmm. But it is a fascinating plot element that you do not see explored, like willingly explored in a body swap movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's maybe presented as like a part, of, like maybe for yucks or well, like a thing a, that just happens, but it's, it's not an brought avo- up. It's usually an, an avoidance thing of like, oh no, we need to get Jamie Lee Curtis to never kiss that guy from whatever mystery crime show of the week. I don't remember which one he's on NCIS. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one. Sure. They're all the same to me. Yeah. Um, but it's like, yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis can't be kissing him because Lindsay Lohan's actually in the body. Meanwhile, you know, Chad Michael Murray is falling in love with Jamie Lee Curtis, but really he's falling in love with Lindsay Lohan. And like, it's part of it. Whereas this movie is far more interested in discussing kind of the ethics of that situation. Well, yeah. Like, Alternatively, Freddie Prince Jr. as Fred Jones going, I can look at myself naked. Yeah. Like, it's the thing where you go, no, no, and you bat him with a rolled up newspaper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're like, that's totally right. And this is one of the only body swap movies that, like, kind of approaches that. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, none of these movies are going to get into, like, a deep psychological, like, no, issue. Certainly, like, certainly no. not a Freaky Friday of it no. all because it's Disney. <laughs> but, like, even going that far to discuss virginity and mm-hmm. what this means ethically is very, very ambitious. I agree completely. And I think what's fascinating is that I think it's presented in a way where they're trying to paint this picture of, do you really know your sister as well as you think you do? Because, you know, Haley's convinced that Alexia and Kyle have been sleeping together. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's like, yeah, this is no big deal because you're already doing it. And then Alexia has to admit, like, no, like, I'm a virgin. I, you know, I haven't done that yet. And it's weird that you thought that I did. Like, you clearly don't know me very well. And that's how it's presented. But what they're also doing at the same time is having a discussion about, like, consent and ethics and you know, who, the autonomy and whose body belongs to who. And mm-hmm. that's really, really compelling stuff. Yeah. Whether and or not that was the intention. No, of course not. But like, also it brings up the question of like, well, how well do you really know me? And this, I don't think this is ever really explored in the movie, but this is one of those questions of like, well, were they close when they were younger and they drifted apart? Or maybe they're just sisters who have never gotten along for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. Because that is, that's very much how it was for me and my brother. Like we have, we never had a civil relationship like post the nineties. So by, by the time I was nine, we were pretty well done with each other. But it's, it's, it's this question of like, well, how close are you really? And how much have you just been presuming for however long this has been? Well, there's a really good line that Alexia has before the swap where mom is saying, oh, well, you should take Haley to the mall and go pick out a dress for, you know, winter formal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Alexia goes, 
we're sisters, we're not friends, and we don't shop together. That is such the line, though. And like, it's oh, uh, it's God. such a shitty older sister line. I do kind of love it, though. Um, but yeah, we don't know like their whole history. We don't know what happened. And it's clear, though, that they're not close. They don't talk. They don't, like, bond. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of things that they don't know about each other. And part of why they want to do the body swap is because they think they know the other person, which Mm -hmm. I feel like that's kind of the core tenet of any body swap movie is, oh, I think I know how your life is, but, you know, got to walk a mile in each other's skin, I guess. Sure. Um, And and so we've got that going on 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 the surface. But the more we learn about them as characters, the more interesting the body swap elements and the desire that they have to be one another, I think – is mm-hmm. um, especially with Alexia because she's the one that I think is presented in the most stereotypical way where because she's the queen bee because she's popular and she's kind of a bitch mm-hmm. uh, we all get an idea in our head of who she is so when you have that reveal that she's a virgin and this is obviously not to say that like the popular girl is always a slut or something like that. Yeah, and it's but also that- not to say that there's like an inherent higher value to virginity because that gets into weird purity culture kind of thing. No, but distinctly, I remember in the 90s and through the 2000s, people who were considered pretty, that was like a synonym for being slutty. Yeah. That was, that was just the way it was where it's like, oh, if you're hot, regardless of any other circumstance, that means you're a slut. Or it's like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you're really popular mm-hmm. blowjob, you know, tongue in the cheek from bridesmaid scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was always the implication. So seeing a character that's like this but then is not having sex is really interesting because we don't get those characters very often. And this is, you know, that weird part of the 90s where Disney's like, we'll talk about virginity. It's fine. Hocus pocus. We say the word virgin like 40 times. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were so in- ambitious in like the mid to late 90s. And then it just didn't pay off in the dollars they wanted and right. never returned. But like let, let, speaking, speaking of ambitiousness, speaking of virginity and sexuality, let's talk about day two at high school because <sighs> it takes a real harsh turn. Like, <laughs> the, the, this gif, the way that you use this gif. Well, um, I don't care what you think. Daniel Harris wearing that costume. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. So this is where I think, like, the Mormon director, like, Mormon filmmaker thing kind of comes into play a little bit because it's like, what is this idea of rebellion? So Haley's idea of rebellion as Alexia is... I'm going to be gross. Like, I'm going to wear the clothes I wore yesterday. I'm not going to shower. I'm going to look disgusting. Well, like, so no, that, that, that's interesting. But like, it's that it's the second blow delivered. Mm -hmm. Like the first one is like, we're going to be high femme and like extremely sexual to the point of like, it's a Halloween costume, but it's basically fetish gear. And like, that's the whole vibe of Alexia in Haley's body. And the way that she revolts is not like, oh, I need to one up you. It's that I need to go down. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I thought was so smart and so subtle is like, oh, hey, I'm going to just be kind of gross. I'm not going to really put makeup on. I'm just going to not shower. I'm going to go to a school like this. But it's also like sliding in this secret thing of like, oh, no, she's going to school again. We're in the same clothes. And it looks like a walk of shame. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that is a slick, nasty move. Like, that is mean. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Um, and then what I also find really fascinating is that this, like, ultimate form of, like, humiliation for Haley is that 
Alexi is going to school in her body wearing a dominatrix outfit. Mm-hmm. And we also learned that it was um, <laughs> it was Alexia's for Halloween. Yes. And considering there is like a foot difference in height between the two of them, it would have been much shorter on her. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What were you just a dominatrix for Halloween? Was this part of like baby's first Hellraiser? I don't know what was happening. <laughs> um, but yeah, Daniel Harris with a riding crop wearing that outfit was a little bit of an eye opener for oh, me. Oh yeah, you you have talked about this many times. You have used that as a reaction gif. You have you could write a whole thesis on her at that dinner table and like the the commanding presence Daniel Harris has. And the thing is, and it's specifically at the table at home. Like when uh-huh. when she's at school and she's like doing the dance on the table and lip syncing and you know whatever. That's fine. It's it's cool. It's, it's very cool. it's very um and I made the comparison earlier, but it's very like the divinals I touch myself, mm-hmm. which seems like the better needle drop, but that's clearly a step too far. Yeah. But like that is a provocative song about female masturbation that is awesome. Like it's an all-time great one-hit wonder. And the Divinals are actually a fucking awesome band if you dig into their back catalog. But it's cute. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's not sexy. Yeah. It's playful. It's flirty. It's fun. But it's very quaint. Yeah. And I, I think that that's a really big distinction between that energy, which is supposed to be the over-the-top commanding energy, but it does not have the commanding power of her at the breakfast table. No. Like, the way that Daniel Harris says... Noah and slaps the riding crop on the table. It's like, oh, oh, oh. This was very important for a pivotal young BJ. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it was also that, like, that question of, like, do I want to be with this person or do I want to be this person? Well, what's the answer? I want to be this person. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was like a big deal because, like, she's also so much smaller and it's like, oh no, she's commanding everybody. Mm-hmm. You're not going to let her go out like that, are you? I don't see why not. You don't think it's flattering? Well, you you make a fool of me. I mean, her. Well, I really don't care what you think. Now, Alex, I recall you going out in public in the same outfit not so long ago. Uh, Halloween! No. You gotta lock her in her room so she can't get in any trouble. Ben, she's got a point. Uh, uh, uh. Haley can wear whatever she wants. It's an expression of her individuality. And Alex, the same goes for you. That scene alone, like that that whole arc, I think is why Disney doesn't pursue wanting to put this movie on Disney Plus. The, I get it. Every scene of her in that costume. And there's multiple. Well, she it, comes there, to school like that. She there's enters a reveal. The, yeah, she enters the science class and she's in like the the coat version it's like a, of it. Like it's like a like vinyl a... slicker. Mm-hmm. And she's wearing like listening to like she's wearing headphones and listening to like slick guitar music. Uh-huh. And then there's the reveal in the lunchroom. And it's mm-hmm. just like there's chains pow. and just like it's it's a Which, lot. Which like we've seen it, but nobody at school has seen it yet. No, and again, we this is this is Mormon kids. Mm-hmm. So like they all <laughs> it, kind it of adds like, an extra layer chains. when you understand where this was made. Right. <laughs> Um, so yeah, the, the day two of just like, we're going to try and ruin each other's lives. And then you, you, you bathroom graffiti. You get, and my the color a wench. It, wench. That's my favorite. Like, well, cause they can't say bitch or slut or anything. Bitch, slut, whore, hoe bag. You can't say any of these things because it is still like a made for TV Disney film. 
So wench. Uh-huh. Ugh, wench. What a great word. Bring it back. It's a good insult. Strumpet. Strumpet's my favorite. Trollop. Strumpet is forever my favorite, like, slut shame insult, because it's hilarious. <laughs> um, yeah, so we, we've got the, we've got that whole situation going on, but, you know, they decide truce. Like, we, we can't keep doing we this. We fucked up. We are, dist- we are burning down our own lives. <laughs> yeah, and, like, this doesn't benefit anybody, so let's, let's fix this. And in the process of fixing it, that's when we start to learn more about them. We learn, you know, Haley is deeply insecure from being in her sister's shadow, and, you know, she's very uncomfortable with herself. Mm-hmm. And then Alexia is caught in this, like, weird popularity machine where she has to act a certain way, even though that's not who she is. And she's resentful for that. And it's made her hate her life and hate who she is. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that we get a lot of like popular sort of people that talk about that openly and admit that of like, this is horrible. Like this is a terrible way for any of us to live. Like we kind of do in like Heather's, um, but it's only after they start dying that mm-hmm. we start having those <laughs> realizations. Whereas this is just like, no, let's let's sit under the stars and let's talk about it. Uh, yeah, it sucks. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, Alexia finally admits at the end of like, yeah, I made the wish as well because I was breaking up with my boyfriend over an arbitrary rule. I was bored with my friends. All of my teachers think I'm an idiot. I'm not going to get into college. Like I ruined everything. And then I look at you. And I saw the potential and I knew that you would never make the same mistakes that I did. Mm-hmm. And just like a chance to do over. Y- yeah, she sees it's, it as I like d- a do over. Yeah, it's like I don't think so much that she necessarily even wanted to be Haley. She just wanted to like go back a couple years to Haley's age so that she could try again. She just happens to be the surrogate for that experience. And I very much think that that is the same for Haley. I don't know if Haley like literally wanted to be Alexia. I think she wanted. The popularity, the social status, the boyfriend, like the things that her sister has Uh um, and know what that feels like. So the fact that they ended up just as each other, literally. um, It's it's the closest thing to the dream that they want. Yeah. Yeah. Very much that. Um, So they they eventually do get to swap back um, because they make the wish at the same time. There are so many shooting stars where they live, mm-hmm. like a lot. Well, it and helps th- that they're in the desert, I suppose. There's not a lot of light pollution out there in those suburban uh, development areas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of light pollution where they live. So I, I don't know. Maybe there are that many shooting stars all the time. I just don't know because everywhere I've ever lived is just like polluted. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a rural suburb, so I could see the stars much more easily. So did you know. have shooting stars? Yeah, sometimes. Weird. Maybe not every night, because the thing is like, okay, we skipped over this a little bit, but they have a moment where they're outside and then they fall asleep and then their parents put them to bed and Haley still in Alexia's body goes outside and makes the wish because at that point they only think that one of them has to. Mm-hmm. And that's where she thinks, oh, we're going to be trapped like this forever. And she's so sad and it like breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah. So that then they had to go back to the school the next day under the assumption that, hey, there was bound to be a shooting star that night and everything's going to be fixed. And then we can go about the science fair and like the winter formal party and all of these things. And we'll, we'll be good except it's not. So then they have to go through these pivotal moments that they've been training like their whole lives for as each other. Mm-hmm. And Alexia and Haley as Alexia has to like be on the, the winter formal court or whatever in mm-hmm. her confirmation looking gown. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, 
Alexia as Haley has to give a science fair presentation, which thankfully they helped each other like study and prepare and do all that stuff. But BJ, I said this from the first scene that this is introduced <laughs> and you went, no, 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 no. But like she pulls this science project out of like the closet or whatever it's at, plops it on the dinner table in like the third scene. And I go, oh, dude, she's moonshining. That, that's a distillery. And you go, no, 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 no. I was then, like, she's making energy. And then when she does her pre- presentation and she's like, it's like, an, well, I don't know, like an ethyl alcohol or something. You were like, ha ha. Yeah, she's like, she's basically uh, fermenting things in order to turn it into alcohol to burn off to make energy. And I'm like, no, BJ, she's literally bootlegging. <laughs> this child is making alcohol in school. <laughs> It's fuel, so it's not alcohol. Hey, I feel so- like whatever alcohol she's <laughs> making would like rip the paint off of your car. Hey, I've had Everclear. Yeah, some so moonshine I. is strong like that. It's the yeah. kind where well, it's the kind that'll make you go blind. Yeah, yeah, very much. Uh, also, also, while we're here, hey, let's dispel a rumor. Anybody who's ever been like absinthe makes you see shit. Hey, that's actually a that, that's an urban legend of bootlegging. Mm-hmm. It means it's not done in copper and it's actually distilled incorrectly. And the things you see is your vision shutting down, possibly permanently. Yep, sure is. <laughs> so um, that's what bad moonshine and bad absinthe will do to you. <laughs> that has been a alcohol PSA with harmony. Well, that's bartending stuff. And <laughs> I, I bartended for so long and everyone's like, oh, my God, is that the real absinthe? Will I really see shit? It's like, no, dumbass. You're probably going to do a shot of it and then go puke in the urinal because <laughs> you're not supposed to do shots of absinthe. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's the, what she's making for her science fair. Um, bravo to her. Of the science fair, though, the thing that I really like is that with most body swap movies, they have to do something like really selfless for the other person. That's the Freaky Friday of it all mm-hmm. of like Jamie Lee Curtis has to play the guitar solo and Lindsay Lohan has to give a speech at, you know, the the dinner for the engagement dinner or whatever. The, the stakes have to reach their precipice rather than like it resolving before we get there because that's not yes, satisfying. Exactly. And the stakes for this are pretty high because we have Alexia as Haley having to do the science fair and then Haley as Alexia doing her college interviews. Mm -hmm. Like, so the stakes for both of them are pretty fucking high. Like both of these events are going to have a massive impact on their futures. Yes. Um, And it's, like, that's a lot uh, to kind of, like, wrap my head around as an adult to, like, realize what situation they were in. Yes. Where I was just like, holy shit. Yeah. And I, I kind of wish, and, like, there's no real way of doing it, but I kind of wish that the, these lessons had tied fully into the thing they were kind of trying to help each other with. Because Alexia is helping Haley with, like, boys and confidence and being, mm-hmm. like, more femme and girly because she wants to. And... Haley is helping Alexia with math and like science and her grades, which ties into the science fair, Mm -hmm. but the other doesn't work in the reverse. You know what I mean? Yes. But then at the same time though, because there's the stuff with like the college admission, it's also a way of showing Alexia how she can still have her personality, but also not be such an insufferable bitch all the time (laughs) because she's super mean. Like when we first meet her, she's really bitter and like we learn why, but she's also still a very sweet and considerate and kind-hearted person. Mm -hmm. She just doesn't showcase it. I mean, when she has her thing, you know, asking the principal if she'll write her a letter of recommendation, she has to act like an entirely different person because she doesn't think anyone's going to take her seriously otherwise. Yeah. So she wears that hideous taupe, awful 
suit. I hate it. And the principal's <laughs> like, she dresses snazzy. And I'm like, keep your eyes off the minor, you weirdo. Doesn't she also go like and wolf whistle her later or something like she that? She wolf whistles her when she wins the crown. Yeah, like, where it, I'm like, uh. see, this is why I am like, this character is being written as like finding Alexia hot and being weird about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird. It's such it, a weird thing. Man. But, okay, speaking of the wolf whistle, though, okay. I think we have completely oh, glossed the over. construction These workers? fucking construction workers. Yes! <laughs> so we meet the construction workers in the opening scene. They're working on the house next door, and they are like the grossest guys the second they see Alexia. One of them- They are like the stereotypical- like, <laughs> no exaggeration, haugas at yes, her. They're like the stereotypical like New York construction worker of like, Hey, baby, could I have some chocolate with that shake? Like, like they're uh, those kind of guys. And I'm like, why are these men in, like, the mountains? These are <laughs> men that I associate with, like, the Bronx. Yeah, they're, like, <laughs> so rough and tumble. But they are, like, very proud and happy to be sexually harassing a high, high schooler. schooler. Like, fuck off. You and guys are gross. Then Alexia's just like, mm, yes, I'm working it. And then when they swap bodies later, Haley in her body is like, oh, they find, think I'm sexy. And So no, no, she's not working it. She's over it. Like she handles Is that it, what it was? Yes. So okay. she handles it very similarly to the way that I used to because again, I had big old cities and mm-hmm. people would say weird shit to me all the time and it was like, uh-huh, hi guys. Yep, mm-hmm, sure. Like she just knows that it's happening and she's just being kind of over it. Okay. But then when Haley does it in her body, she like waves up them like it's a fucking beauty queen in a parade. And <laughs> Alexia's like, no, no. Like you cannot give them the attention that they want. Fuck I mean, that. you and I have talked about it on so many episodes where it's like, man, I remember being like a sophomore and having people way too old thinking we were hot. Yeah, and you don't realize how creepy it is until later. Yeah, because it, especially that, if you're not uh, used to it necessarily. That's like one thing I'm very proud of with Gen Z is that they have no problem being like, you're old, you fucking weirdo, to people uh-huh. who do that, whereas all of us were so desperate for any sort of validation that we were attractive because we were in the world's worst media cycle of everyone is ugly and terrible and mm-hmm. everything about you is wrong, that if literally anybody gave you positive attention, it was like, I feel good now. It's what all of our current like filters and social media problems are born out of yes god it's, <laughs> it's it all terrible. started somewhere and it was our adolescence <laughs> god it's awful i mean like and obviously like terrible beauty standards have existed forever but i'm talking but, about as it whew, exists now whew, it yeah. became such a it became a machine in the late 90s early 2000s and mm-hmm. the fact that any of us are still around and able to like not completely hate ourselves we des- we deserve a- an edible arrangement for that. We yeah. did a great job. <laughs> so, is there anything I need to know about you other than being a grungy social outcast? I'm not grungy. I just have my own style. Oh, dirt under the fingernails is in? <laughs> you won't mind if I remove it, will you? So, how do I look? Today is definitely day one. Day one of what? My diet. Oh, <laughs> excuse me. I mean, your diet. A fruit and veggie fast. You're bloated. What are you talking about? I'm a knockout. Makeup may be a bit heavy. Not me. Whatever. What is it, gum? Inevitably, Alexia helps Haley, like, talk to a boy. Simon. And it's Simon from across the street, and they have the same haircut, which is very, it's a <laughs> it's very. It's the Breckenmeyer haircut. That's precisely what I was going to say. It's like, it's Breckenmeyer's haircut, which is, like, 
too long for the butt cut. And I'm like, don't get me wrong, I don't like it, but it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's extremely mm-hmm. 90s. It's so 90s. It like middle part it's so curls unstyled. under your chin. Yeah. Yep. You just kind of like brushed it under the chin so that it has like a little natural curl. It's extremely low maintenance, which is why it makes sense for Daniel Harris to have it in this movie. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, she does get to talk to Simon, and it's a Simon's a guy who likes Haley for who she is, which mm-hmm. is kind of the whole point. He likes what's inside. Yes, is learning to like, you know, who a person is for who they are and like being okay to just be yourself. Yes. Which I think is very, very delightful. Which like, I'm glad that he doesn't say this to Haley when she's in her normal body because like, if you think about it too much, then he's just like, I don't care about what you look like. It's what matters on the inside. It's like, what's wrong with me on the outside? Well, that's the thing. He (laughs) is attracted to Haley on the outside. He tells tells who he thinks is Alexia, you're not my type. (laughs) I know. So like, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I have been said that so, I have had that said to me so many times where I'm Mm -hmm. like, man, I just, that just trips a thing in my brain. Just call me a slur, you weirdo. Where I'm like, man, that's just rude. Like, what's wrong with you it's the i have you have a pretty face of it all where it's like what's wrong with uh-huh. the rest of me <laughs> some guys are just really into like some guys care more about personality yeah it's like the equivalent of somebody being like wow like you're really brave for wearing that yeah and you're like what the fuck does that mean like it just it feels <laughs> so much like that that it just tricks a thing in my brain where i'm like oh god oh i feel terrible <laughs> But it is, I gotta say, it is kind of interesting having Simon say that to who he thinks is Alexia because she is used to everybody like telling her she's the most beautiful person in the world. And for Mm -hmm. him to be like, you're not my type. I'm like, damn, Simon. Bold move. Bold as shit, man. He still went in for a kiss. Yeah, he did. And he bought a little gift. Yeah. And then, you know, trapped her in that awkward situation, car ride home. Yeah. No, that that's a move you probably should do at the end of the car ride, my guy. Mm-hmm. Like, don't, don't, don't force it. It's like saying bye, and then you both go the same direction, but worse. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, so eventually they, they get everything well. They swap back. They swap back. They have great dresses. Oh my God. Their dresses are so good. Alexia's winter formal dress is quite possibly my favorite dress in any like 90s movie that ends with like a dance scene Mm -hmm. because it is, it is sleek. It is classic. It definitely feels 90s. It's not gross in the way that like 90s prom fashion was by the end of the decade. Like my least favorite one, and this is already on the record, is Julia Stiles in 10 Things I Hate About You, where they give her that horrible slick pony. Uh And then what looks like curly bun top. It looks like the fake hair pieces that cheerleaders wear in competitive cheerleading. Mm -hmm. Like it looks ridiculous. Not not a fan. This one is very classic. It's a, it's very breakfast at Tiffany's. Oh, it's so beautiful. Down to like the jewelry and the gloves. And there's like the, like the, the, the sort of mesh in between on on the neckline oh Mm -hmm. my god it's such a good such a good look but it's still very 90s because you know her bottom her bottom layer hair is like intentionally left out and curled Mm -hmm. and she has gloves because why the fuck not i don't know (laughs) um but yeah she's got that and then you know daniel harris has like a cute skater dress with like a little halter like high neck halter so cute very bright and fun and frisky like they both have great dresses works really well especially for how short she is yes oh she looks fantastic they both have chunky spice girl heels big Mm -hmm. fan of that i love a a chunky heel i i have not owned a chunky heel in a long time i should get on that i do love a chunky heel i (sighs) think they're great it's so good so you know Haley slow dances with simon alexia is back with the boyfriend and they have like their heart to heart and she tells him that you know she loves him and the thing that i've never been quite able to understand is so kyle tells 
who he thinks is Alexia, but it's really Haley. I love you for the first time. This implies that Kyle was in love with like pre-swap Alexia. Who's the worst? And yeah. I'm like, what is she? But then again, but like, we only see her for that one night. They true. might be wonderful outside of what we've seen. I don't know. But what I think is he liked her enough to go along. And then now that they've swapped, it's like, oh, I've seen a different side of you. And that yeah. that's what's put him over with being like, oh, no, I'm in love with you. And then that gets into a weird dicey thing where it's like do you really love her i mean she has turned over a new leaf and is a little closer to that but still not exactly that (laughs) so the way that i've justified it in my head is that the thing that is the most beneficial about this body swap is that they are sisters who are far more similar than they are different Mm. and the body swap allows them to take on the attributes of each other that they normally stifle down. Mm -hmm. Like, Haley stifles down the fact that she does have an interest in, like, more feminine and glamorous uh, fashion. She does have an interest in wanting to be liked by boys. Like, these are things that she likes, but she kind of pushes that down because, well, that's Alexia's thing. That's not my thing. And then Alexia... She does have an interest in being kind and sweet and funny and not a total bonehead, as she calls it. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, no, she says airhead, I think. Um, But either way, uh, she does have an interest in that, but she pushes that aside because that's Haley's sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So in swapping, it's not that Kyle is actually in love with Haley. He's in love with the aspects of Alexia that Haley is able to bring out of her and make her feel like it's okay to showcase. You have put so much more thought into that than anybody else ever I have been thinking about this movie for the last for like 25 decades. years. <laughs> I love this movie so much. Um, yeah, no. So that's something that I, I just, I love about this movie is that this movie can be as deep as you want it to be. It can be just like a very fluffy body swap movie the way that all of them kind of are. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like we said earlier, there's like these weird little moments where we're talking about like the ethics of what you can do while you're in someone else's body. Like Mm -hmm. the stuff with virginity, there's stuff going on with like reputation and like the way that, you know, do do you have a responsibility to the people in your life uh, and how you represent them? Because how they interact, you know, does impact both of them. Um, There's there's a lot of interesting conversations to be had in this movie that on the surface is so simple mm-hmm. and so silly and goofy and fun. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of heart. Yeah. I like, I like it when movies seem like they're going to be shallow in one note, but really there's a lot of heart. I, I think that, I think it's funny. I think there's like the really good comedy. There's a lot of dumb visual gags. Like the first day that they trade when, uh, Kyle's picture is like smiling and she goes today you're mine and they cut back and he looks terrified yes like that, stupid that is a gag. great visual Ugh, gag. it's so good though um you know you've got the the janitor who is constantly trying to like wash off some new form of terrible graffiti against the principal mm-hmm. and he that's his whole purpose of existing yeah uh love that well, what about that other guy I saw you other guy yeah Kyle, you've got it all wrong. There's only one guy for me. I love you. I love you too, Alan.
So as we're kind of wrapping up, there is the moon pools and caterpillars of it all that I want to talk about. And how they are like your favorite band who just never really reached their potential. They really didn't. So they have music in this movie. They also have music in the Babysitter's Club. Uh, I posted on our our Twitter account about listening to this album and people were like, are you doing the Babysitter's Club? And I honestly was like, oh shit, that's right. This isn't that. I'm sorry. Oops. Because I associate this with this movie first and foremost. And the thing is, (laughs) Babysitter's Club, my understanding of that is that has a significantly larger cultural footprint than it this. It does. It has so a much larger cultural you footprint. You associated with, with this, but you are so <laughs> definitely in the wrong. I know. <laughs> um, so Moonpools and Caterpillars, they are a band uh, that is three quarters Filipino. The guitar player and the lead singer are married, and you know they're just like a fun band that they're just so 90s in the very best way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they feel very much like a Letters to Cleo, but they're not Letters to Cleo because they're not a ska band. Um, but they have like that same like fun energy. Mm-hmm. Um, they also, you know, No Doubt as well. Like that it, that early No Doubt, it has that similar energy, but they're not a ska band. They're just a really nice four piece. Um, they are apparently a huge deal in the Philippines, um, which is really exciting because they kind of disappeared for a while and they did a reunion concert in like 2015 and I guess it sold out immediately, which I think is really cool. And another thing that I love is that Moonpools is, um, for, for a long time, the band used to tell people that it was like this traditional dish in the Philippines, Moonpools and Caterpillars. And people just believed them at face value because like the internet was still really new. So people weren't going to like fact check that. Mm. And then one day they finally were like, ah, shit, we got to like come clean on this. And it's actually, um, it's a reference to C-Lab 2020. (laughs) I always forget that C-Lab 2020 was a thing before C-Lab 2021. Mm -hmm. Again, that's what I associate it with, which is funny because... 2021 uses all of the animation cells from yes. 2020. But it's just that thing where it's like, oh, yeah, that that was a show. And people did watch it and apparently named their bands after it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that the music that they have incorporated in here is perfect. I mean, we get here twice, which is kind of like the big song they have. Um, and it's perfect. It's fun. It captures the energy it, it really, yodels really well. like the cranberries. Yes, it's so nice. Um, and then they have like their slow song during the prom, which is also really nice. I also just, I miss when schools had like bands play at their school dances. That's not a thing anymore. We see that a lot in the nineties. Yeah. I mean like the Donna's are in, in Jawbreaker. You've got Mighty Mighty Boss Tones in Clueless. Yeah. And you know, I mean, granted that's not a dance. It's a, you know, a show, but still. Eh. Um, but yeah, I love, I love that kind of stuff and I wish we got more of it but we just don't now everything is is a dj which probably is the better call because then you're able to have like a much more wide variety of genres at your school dance but there's just something so cool about getting a band mm-hmm. i want to get davy jones at my prom <laughs> god what when are we doing the brady movie we're doing that this year i'm, I'm just putting it down all right we'll do the brady we're doing movie the brady year. movie sometime <laughs> this year because oh that just that just dug up some feelings that i really want to talk about <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's nice to have them there. I think they're really fun. The drummer is one of my favorite, like, you know, don't pay attention to the man behind the curtain sort of situations where they're giving all of the, uh, like, winner formal, like, queen award and he's got his drumsticks to his face and he's being really dramatic and funny in the background mm-hmm. if you if you've never noticed that the next time you watch this watch the drummer when they announce alexia as the queen. He's great. Doesn't he also have, like, super thick glasses? Yes. So he just looks like a goofy guy? Yeah, it's it's great. It's pretty fantastic. Um, 
so yeah, this movie just, it gives me all the warm fuzzies. It makes me really happy. It brings me a lot of comfort. And I was very thrilled to, to finally be talking about it on the show. Cause this is one of those movies where like, if you know, you know, like if you know this movie, you probably really love this movie. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know this movie, it's probably because you didn't fall in that very specific window of Disney Channel original movie watching. Watching DCOMs before they even became DCOMs. Yes. Because like this is 11 months out, I think, before the... Be from under wraps. Before the proper like start of the DCOM as Disney recognizes it. Yes. Um. So this is why this is on... I think like Prime and Pluto and Tubi and all of that right now and not Disney It's Plus. just, it's isolated off on an island along with like Paper Brigade. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so the person who directed this also directed the Paper Brigade. It shows. <laughs> A movie that is way harder to find and it frustrates me because I love that movie and I want to talk about it on the Sadie Hawkins dance for the Patreon. Robert Englund is so cute in that movie. He's so cute and he shouldn't be because he's playing a man obsessed with the Civil War, but like regardless he's great in that movie <laughs> and also like connective tissue robert england is adorable in never too young to die where he's the henchman <laughs> of gene simmons and drag and that movie is bonkers and i have so many ethical problems with that but i love it and then gene simmons recorded for some reason when you wish upon a star as the closing track on his solo album which is also just as bad as you think it is <laughs> So, I'm so glad you brought this full circle to kiss. I just really want to bring all these elements together in this movie, even though they don't really need to be brought up in this episode at all, but I felt <laughs> like it. Well, on that note, Harmony, I think yeah. it's time for the question. <laughs> yeah. Wish Upon a Star is asking you to the prom. Is it a yes, a no, a maybe, or are you buying her a ticket so she can go on her own? I'm, I'm going to give this one a yes because it is a really underrated film in like the canon of body swaps and it does Mm -hmm. some stuff that just other films don't Mm -hmm. and like it's very envelope pushing for the kind of film that it is like it it has some bold decisions that it only gets away with because the disney channel is a premium channel like showtime and not like a cable channel yet yeah you would never be able to get away with this in a post (laughs) under wraps decom hell no so i don't know i think it's a really specific time and it gets away with a lot of things as a result um, yeah, I just, I think, I think it's pretty, pretty tight for what it is. Wonderful. Well, friends, that takes us out on Wish Upon a Star. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at The Sense Up Prom. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at BJ Colangelo. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velosa underscore trap underscore tour. And as always, thank you to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use title as our theme song. Harmony, what cool band do you want people to check out this week? So this week, I want to shout out a band called Expert Timing. And to really capture the uh, the moon pools and caterpillars vibe of this band, I'm like, I need something that sounds kind of like college rock, mm-hmm. but like post-grunge college rock mm-hmm. so that we're getting like poppy and friendly. Mm-hmm. This band is super duper good at that. Very, very heavy bass. Two different singers. Um, the female singer, I specifically think, really channels the correct energy. She really does. You were playing some of them for me before we recorded this episode, and I was like, kind of sold when you were like, "Oh yeah, here's the guy singer." I was like, "Yeah, no, this this definitely has the energy." But then when you gave me the girl singer, I was like, "Aha, here we are." Yeah. So this band is super tight. Um, I think they could blend in with like the modern uh, emo scene that has mm-hmm. become an amalgamation of a lot of different sounds. Mm-hmm. While also still being very, like, classic 90s nostalgia. Definitely. I really liked this band, so I hope other people check them out. I'm glad that this got your seal of approval, considering how much you love the music (laughs) in this movie. 
Alrighty. And on that note, that takes us out. We will see you next week. And as always, save that last dance for us. Okay, bye. Bye. you out of my sight. How come? Fine. Mm-hmm. Look, you can put your arms around him or you can hold his hand, but no kissing. Okay, it's, it's just not right. This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.